Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. On the Ledge podcast this week is supported by Soltech Solutions, home of the luxury plant light. You've probably heard me talk about Soltech Solutions' stylish LED grow lights on the show before, so I'm really excited to be able to share with you a unique coupon code. Just enter OTL15 at checkout for 15% off your purchase. If you're looking for museum quality grow lights that fit with your decor and give off just the right spectrum of light to keep your plants happy without that weird pinky purple glow you often get with LED plant lights, Soltech Solutions is the answer. They offer a track system to illuminate your plant-filled shelves and pendant lights to suspend over your precious fig or euphorbia. All beautifully made with the indoor gardener in mind, so you can seamlessly integrate your favourite plants into every corner of your home, whether you're a beginner or a pro. So visit soltechsolutions.com to find out more. That's S-O-L-T-E-C-H solutions.com. And don't forget to use the coupon code OTL15 for 15% off your purchase. Hello and welcome to On The Ledge Podcast, episode 118. I am your host, Jane Perrone. This week I am talking to Anders Reinberg, also known as the Arctic Gardener. He's growing gorgeous houseplants in Oslo and he shares with me today his tips for dealing with what he calls the death months. Yes, those cold months of the year where we and our houseplants start to suffer. And I'm answering a question about where to source your water. Thank you to my new patron Tate this week and also to the anonymous listener who gave a one-off donation via co-fi.com. And thank you to Oscar, MB Cairns and Golio7 who all left reviews this week and gave me that warm and fuzzy feeling which is so important to get me through these cold winter months because I'm telling you it's cold in my office right now. It's 17.8 degrees centigrade. That's 64.4 Fahrenheit for those of you in the United States. But I am guessing that conditions in Oslo in Norway are a lot more severe for most of the winter. And I spoke to Anders Rinberg, who is a psychotherapist and a houseplant grower extraordinaire. I'll let Anders introduce himself. My name is uh, Anders Rinberg. Uh, I'm known as uh, Arctic Gardener on Instagram. I'm a farmer, but I'm, I live in the city center of Oslo, the capital of Norway. And uh, in my daily work, I work as a psychotherapist 
because I'm also a psychiatric nurse and a sexologist. But um, uh, I have a huge passion for plants, uh, and uh, and I just um, came out with a, a book called The Green Joy. Brilliant. And I'm really excited about this chat, Anders, because I think so many of us are struggling right now with that shift from warmer times to cooler times and the effect that it has on our plants. I know that Norway has perhaps a more extreme winter than we do here in the UK. Tell me what the conditions are like right now for you outside and how do you keep your plants from suffering come November, December, January time? Yes, uh, these are really the, the I call them the months of death, uh, November, <laughs> j- uh, December and January, because uh, especially in Norway, it gets really dark during the winter time. If you go up north in Norway, the, the sun is totally gone for a couple of months. So it's really hard conditions for the houseplants. Um, so what I recommend people to do when they ask me for advice and what I do with my own houseplants uh, is that I get them as close as I can to the window. So they get the little uh, daylight that's available. So they get the, the feeding from the light. Uh, and I also, um, it's a simple rule that I reduce everything in the winter time. I reduce the amount of water and I reduce the amount or actually I stop fertilizing my plants from October until March. And how good is are the windows in Norway? Do you find that problem where that we sometimes we get here in the UK with old houses where you get a really cold area right next to the window? So although you want your plant to be close to the window for the light, there's also the issue of the plant just getting too cold right next to that drafty old window. That's true, but uh, actually in Norway it's quite opposite problem because the new housing and the new apartments they're so uh, closed uh, because of the cold. Uh, so uh, there's a very little draft, and what I see is that it gets too dry indoors uh, in Norway often. So that's a bigger prob- problem than than draft cold draft from the windows. Whatever you do, there's there's an issue, isn't there? As I say, here in the UK, often a lot of us have got very drafty, cold uh, windowsills where I want my plants to be on the one hand, but also I'm worried that they're going to they're going to suffer. Um, are there any plants that you find do uh, that that are really suffer particularly during the winter months, the ones that you really should be paying the most attention to at this time? Actually, the most easy plants are the cacti and the succulents because they are desert plants, so um, they cope quite well because in the desert it's quite cold during the nighttime. So they're actually quite fine uh, as long as they don't get too much water and and fertilizing. Uh, But uh, more the tropical plants are a difficult thing in Norway because of the dry indoor air, but also of the cold. So um, the tropical plants are, are suffering. Is there anything that, that you recommend to people with suffering from dry air in terms of improving that air quality and making the air a bit moister? I recommend choosing the right plant, choosing more of a cacti, uh, succulent, these more desert plants, uh, because they can cope also better with the dry indoor air and the cold. So um, if you want uh, more tropical plants, it's fine. They might survive, uh, especially if you've got a, uh, a bathroom uh, with heating in the floor and there's a lot of moist from the shower and bathing. Uh, that's a good place for the tropical plants. But they can be hard. Uh, uh, it can be hard conditions for them during the winter time. 
in a, in a normal living room, I think. One of the plants that I've noticed on your Instagram that really piqued my curiosity was a kiwi plant growing indoors. And I, I never imagined that that would work. Tell me more about your indoor kiwi. Yeah, actually, um, I kept it indoor for a while. Uh, it was springtime and it was thriving. It was green and it was popping new uh, leaves. Uh, but then the summer came and it all of a sudden looked depressed and weak. <laughs> uh, so I, I had to bring it outdoors and it really uh, into my onto my balcony and it really enjoyed that. So uh, now what I do is that I, I keep it in my balcony for the summer season and in the in the winter season I, I bring it up on my attic uh, where it's cold and there's a small window with a little light. So I, I, uh, it kind of sleeps there during uh, the months of death, uh, during the winter time. Uh, and then I bring it back into my, my living room in the spring period. And then it pops new leaves. And then I bring it onto, um, onto the balcony again in the summertime. So it's only for a short time indoors uh, during the spring now. Ah, uh, okay. I see. That makes perfect sense. I guess a bit like you might, might treat a citrus in a similar way where it needs yeah. cold, but... Uh, yeah, uh, protection from really cold weather the kiwi is really a beautiful plant it's, it became one of my favorites but it's so thirsty and it uh, drinks a lot of water so for a period it was kind of a joke between me and my friends that uh, i could not hang out in the evening because i had to go home and water my kiwi so uh it's a really <laughs> thirsty plant oh really that's interesting <laughs> you need to pour a big bu bucket of water on it every single day uh, or get a bigger planter i guess that's well that's interesting i guess they're they're fast growers and they've they they need lots of uh, moisture to keep going tell me a little bit about your your chinese money plants pilea peperomioides i know these have got a bit of a norwegian connection D are these good plants uh, for norwegian homes do they do they work well um i guess they are because <laughs> they seem very popular I, uh, I got several Pileas and they have a long history in Norway. Uh, so I got a big Pilea family and they all came from the same Pilea mother. Uh, and it keeps uh, popping new Pilea. I call them the Pilea babies uh, all the time. And it's a perfect gift to also give to, to friends and family. Uh, but as you mentioned, it has a kind of a Norwegian connection, the Pilea, because um and even though the Pilea originates from China, it was brought to uh, to Norway, to Europe, by a Norwegian missionary that had to flee from China in 1946, around that time. Uh, and he brought uh, these Pilea babies to Norway and he started handing them out to friends and family. Uh, and uh, and all of a sudden they, they spread uh, all over Europe. So even though it originates from China, it has a houseplant history from from Norway. So... Uh, and what I see on on Instagram as well is that they became kind of a symbol of the new grain wave, wave um, or, or shift or whatever you call it on on Instagram. So Agna was uh, kind of uh, spreading the green gospel by by bringing it to Norway. I think exactly. And what's the what's what do Norwegians call this plant? Is there a common name? Yeah, uh, we we often call it we call it pilea or uh, the missionary plant, missionary plant that it's uh, called in in Norwegian. And and what I what I recommend with this plant because um, if you have a cold bedroom and you like to uh, have the window open in the nighttime, uh, pilea is a really good uh, plant to choose because uh, it's quite similar to to the areas where it orig originates from in China. 
so it's quite uh, drought tolerant. So uh, for me, it's a good bedroom plant as well. Ah, okay. Uh, yes, I, I do hear from listeners who who like to keep their bedrooms really cold at night. I like to keep my bedroom as warm as possible. Oh, but, okay. Um, I, I keep hearing from listeners saying my bedroom's really cold at night. I'm thinking, why? Why is your? Yeah. I guess maybe yeah. it helps people sleep. Um, that's yeah. That's just just me. I, I want to go to bed with you know like as many hot water bottles around me as possible. Yeah. But, um, maybe that's just an English thing. One thing that I hear a lot about Pilea peperomioides is people saying that the leaves are yellowing and dropping off, um, sometimes all of them, but sometimes just the ones at the lower down the stem at the base of the plant. Is that just a natural mm. thing that the plant does as it gets taller or is there any way to keep your plant really bushy and green? I've look, seen your, your plants and they look amazing. So you've obviously got some good... Uh, good techniques going on here yeah the thing is uh what we, what what we show on social media <laughs> is the, the happy side yeah. <laughs> but um the pilea is quite hard um uh, i find it quite hard in the winter time because it it kind of gets more yellow and some of the leaves will uh um drop off um so um um yeah so the pilea, um, I have this one rule with the pilea, and it works quite good, is that I never water it before it uh, asks for water, because when it asks for water, it will uh, the leaves will uh, drop more. So uh, that's a good rule, because pilea should not be watered too much, and it will, will tell you when it's time to water it. Um, at least that's my experience. Yes, I think that's very true. The other thing I hear about that plant is that people have problems with the leaves kind of going funny shapes and there's lots of theories about why the leaves aren't flat and pancakey as they should be but it seems to me that the leaves just kind of adapt to the conditions they're in possibly looking for light or adjusting to slightly different levels of humidity and there's not a lot you can do about that uh, i agree on that the only thing i experienced with um, the pilea where as a windowsill plant is that if it's in direct sunlight, uh, the leaves will often curl. So that could be also a, a sign that it's, uh, the, the, the sunlight is too heavy on it. So that's another experience I got. I see. And I did see the other day, I don't know if this is this is uh, available in Norway yet, I did see a variegated uh, pilia, which is, I think its cultivar name is sugar. And the variegation, to be honest, is not tremendously exciting. It's kind of splashes of silvery what tiny splashes of silvery white but uh i don't know if that's reached you oh. yet but that's something to look no, out for no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I never heard of this before yeah. so i will check it out yeah do check it out i mean i i don't i i think one of the great qualities of, of the of this plant is just the simplicity of those round leaves so i'm not sure i'm mm. totally sold on the variegated version but you know no. um if it's if it exists then uh i, I want to find it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's that is the issue. We'll be back to hear more from Anders shortly, but let's get to the question of the week this week, which comes from Gavin. Gavin has become a houseplant addict over the past year and now has more than 70 plants. Good show, Gavin. 
but he's finding that he has one major sustainability issue with his plants and that's water. He's using tap water for the majority of his house plants but the calatheas and carnivores are getting distilled water bought in plastic jugs and Gavin writes I'm putting in the effort to avoid peat moss so it seems kind of silly I'm using so much plastic to keep my plants happy. I know you commonly recommend rainwater, but I live in the city and this isn't really an option for me. Are there any suggestions you have that I could implement for mineral sensitive plants? First off, Gavin, well, a big tick for you. I'm glad that sustainability is on your mind and I really feel your pain regarding rainwater because I am really, really lucky to have a free supply of rainwater coming down into my water butts in my garden. It is a really tricky one for your carnivores. There isn't really any way of getting the water you need unless you're going to go down the distilled bottled water route, which I think is what you're doing right now. And obviously then you have the issue of single use plastic. The other alternative is to get a reverse osmosis unit, which I know is a relatively large expense. I think you're talking about anywhere from about £200, probably the equivalent in dollars for a very basic reverse osmosis system up to God knows what, thousands of pounds. And obviously you've got to find room for it in your accommodation. So it's quite a big investment. But if you do have a, an RO system, that does mean that you have a free and easy supply of water that is suitable for all of those plants that are sensitive to mineral salts, including, of course, carnivorous plants. One other product that I've seen on sale in the UK is a steam distilled water system. So basically the water is heated in an enclosed container and then the steam is collected and that's condensed back so that you can have distilled water. Now these retail for about £150 and up in the UK. Whether this is any more sustainable than you buying the occasional plastic jug of water from the shops, I don't know, because you're buying a piece of equipment, which then obviously you have to use energy in order to boil that water and get it condensed. But let's assume that's off the table. The other thing that sometimes people suggest in this circumstance is something that was probably be more commonly used by people with aquariums, um, a product that dechlorinates water. Um, I'm thinking of, I think the best selling one is probably one called Seachem Prime. And what that does is it removes chlorine and heavy metals and chloramine from uh, water so that you can add them to fish tanks. So that is good for plants that are sensitive to chlorine and chloramine, which are closely related chemicals and do cause some house plants problems, but it's not going to help with the mineral salts issue. The only other thing I can suggest is that you ask around your neighbourhood could you do something as basic as putting a plastic container outside somewhere, outside your back step? I don't know if such a thing exists. Or ask around your neighbourhood on Facebook groups and other community groups. Is there anybody who's got some outside space who might be prepared to uh, give you some water from their water butt regularly uh, or some kind of bartering system where you give them some house plants and they give you a supply of a few bottles of rainwater? I mean, there it sounds crazy, but you know what? There are an amazing number of networks now through social media where you can connect with people who might be able to provide you with what you're looking for in terms of rainwater. And rainwater really is the gold standard in this case, looking for some water that you can use on those carnivorous plants. So yeah, I would say try to think about that, whether there's any way that you can get your hands on some rainwater. If not, I think you're probably going to have to keep going down the distilled water route 
Delving around on various aquarium groups, I've also seen people mention in the US at least that if you go to an aquarium store, you can refill a jug with RO water, basically water that will be fine for your carnivorous plants that's had the mineral salts removed by the gallon jug that you just refill and it costs like a few less than a dollar to, for a gallon. So that might be another option if you happen to have any aquarium shops in your vicinity. Check that out, ask around, and you may find that that way you can do a refill rather than having to get a new plastic jug every time. So that's my suggestions. If anyone has any other ideas for Gavin, do let me know. And if you've got a question for On The Ledge, drop me a line. On The Ledge podcast at gmail.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. And now let's go back to our chat with Anders to find out a little bit more about the Norwegian attitude to houseplants and why men seem to like the larger houseplant. The Norwegians as a as a nation really have a thing for houseplants. I think per per head you have a lot more houseplants than we do here in the UK. Why do you think that Norwegians are so into houseplants? I think um, uh, Norwegians, uh, they are like known for doing a lot of sports. They are known for fjords and mountains. And we are very active and we get a lot of recreation from uh, from nature. But the winter is quite long and cold and dark. So we actually lack nature during the winter time. So, um, and for me as a therapist, I see this also with my, my patients. The, the winter is often hard. Um, and it's not that uh, houseplants alone can cure a depression, but they sure can help. Uh, because um, I really believe that um, what's happening now with the houseplant wave, more and more people see that uh, houseplants and surrounding yourself with greens is um, uh, quite cheap and easy way of uh, feeling a bit better and um, so that you can survive through the winter. Yeah, I think that's really true. It's just nice to have something you can something green that you can sort of tinker with over the winter yeah. and uh when it's when it's cold outside. I'm mm. fully on board with that. Yeah. And um I want to just go moving on from that uh, along the same veins. Uh I believe that uh dogs are also involved in your um mental health wellness yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. ideas. There's some pictures on your Instagram of of um, your. I think you're, you've got a dog with your plants. Tell me a bit about how that works. D- do your dog? Does your dog get on well with your plants? Uh, he does. He, he's not mine, but he belongs to a friend of mine. So uh, I sometimes okay. borrow him. Uh, yes. He, his name is Tossen, and he's a Kavapoo. Uh, he's a very sweet dog, uh, and he's happy all the time. Uh, into 
almost being a bit annoying. <laughs> so he's, he's blessed <laughs> with a, a constant good mood. Uh, but as a therapist, um, there's a lot of scientific reports showing that uh, pets and plants have much the same effect on people. Uh, they make, make us feel better. Um, so uh, I think the body releases a lot of endorphins and some kind of hormones that makes us feel better. So this is not alternative. It's, it's purely scientific. And um, so I say if you want to feel better, you should go pet a dog in greenery. And that's where you get a double dose of, of happiness. Oh, you are absolutely right. I think walking my dog, you know, is a wonderful daily dose of just loveliness. And uh, yes, I mean, as regular listeners to my show will know that Wolfie, my dog, is is very, very important to my uh, mental health. He occasionally drives me nuts and worries me when he uh, has to go to the vets. But he is, yeah, he's a, it's a wonderful presence. I think both uh, green therapy and uh, pet therapy is, uh, is an easy way to feel a bit better. Totally. And one of the things that you that you commented on um, to me, which I thought was really powerful as well, was about the loveliness of the houseplant community uh, that you've yeah. experienced through mm -hmm. setting up your Instagram and so on. T tell me a little bit about that. I know this was was the subject or, or the headline for a Vanity Fair piece that you were in. Yeah, uh, I often say that uh, plant people are uh, rarely bullies. Because uh, I find the houseplant community on social media to be quite warm and, and sharing. Um, I have about 54,000 followers on Instagram. And I never experienced any hate or bullying. Uh, and I have some other friends in Norway that do um, their, what, what we call influencers. Um, and I have a lot of followers on Instagram too, but the amount of uh, discrimination, racism, sexism they, they experience, um, I, I got shocked. Um, so I was wondering, what is it with the houseplant community on, <laughs> on uh, social media that's so peaceful? Um, but I think that the effect the plants have on us, it's, uh, we get more peaceful and it's not controversial at all. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I have to say the Facebook group that I set up for listeners to On The Ledge has been a wonderfully trouble-free place with everyone yeah. being incredibly supportive and lovely. Mm. And I would totally echo that. And it yeah. makes it such a joy to make a podcast because you just get such... A positive feedback on on what you do which is which is great great and uh yeah that's really nice to hear that you don't have any of those hassles that your friends have true the only thing i experience um is uh like involuntarily being dragged into a, a heated debate whether it's good to spray the plants with water or not so <laughs> that that's the, the worst thing so it's it's and that's a real thing that i can deal with so it's um uh, but it says something about the effect uh, the plants have on us. It's quite peaceful. And you see this also on the social media um, that has to do with houseplants, I think. I want to get on to this subject of misting because this is something that has caused me, as, as you say, much vexation over the years in trying to establish fact from fiction about misting. I'm not a big mister, I have to say. Um, unless I'm treating a plant for a pest, I tend not to mist my plants. But what what are the arguments for and against, and where do you stand on it? Um, as I understood after reading quite a lot about it, is that it doesn't have much effect because if it's um, if it should have any effect, you should spray your plants every ten minutes, and <laughs> that's not possible. So uh, so the reason I miss my plants 
once in a while is um, that um, it's an easy way to get more in touch with the plant. Uh, you notice if it uh, looks uh, bad or healthy and you get to clean away the dust. And I also think that uh, makes the plant breathe better. So um, it's an opportunity to cleanse the plant for me. I spray it and then I and use a warm cloth and, and sweep the leaves. Yeah, so it's more of a kind of a cleansing thing as opposed to this is going to massively increase the moist air around the plant, uh, which is not really going to happen. One of the other things that you uh, were telling me about was the idea that the houseplant enthusiasm that we're seeing is not just a temporary trend, but something bigger, part of the green shift. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, when I when I wrote my book uh, Green Joy, um, I I got in touch with um, some people uh, editors, and some of them, not the editor that I chose, but some of them said uh, the plants are only a trend and they won't sell. Um, but I I think they are really wrong, and also the book is sold uh, sold out uh, three times in Norway, so it's it's something that people want more of. Uh, it's not just a trend, I think, because how I see it is that um, the houseplants are a symbol also of the green shift. Um, I think people are, um, they have lack of nature, so they bring nature uh, back into their homes, their offices, their schools. And you see this with all the green plants uh, uh, indoors. It's a way of taking back nature and uh, and um, the long for nature, I think. And if that's a trend, that's uh, not good uh, because it's... Uh, uh, we need more knowledge and we need to be more in touch with plants and, and nature. So for me, the, the house plant uh, shift, uh, the, the green shift, the green wave um, is a symbol of what uh, people uh, need more of and, and want more of uh, for the future with the environment. Um, that's how I see it. I really hope that you're right. I think it's it's wonderful to think of it being part of a really long term shift in our thinking. That 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 is uh, what we're all after. Tell me more about your book. How has that gone down? And have you discovered a whole new um, raft of uh, fans as a result of it? Um, yeah, it's been uh, doing very well in Norway, and um, uh, it made the bestseller list. And some people didn't think, they didn't believe that the book about plants would make the bestseller list. But I, I think that's um, that shows um, the, the big interest for house plants uh, nowadays. Uh, and um, and the book also sold to another European country now. So I hope it will uh, also come to the UK and, and so on. So um, even though it's a book about uh, Norwegian conditions, um, it's also relevant for uh, especially people living more um, up north where you have the, the colder winters. It's also a book about uh, how people can uh, succeed with their plants. So it's very easy care. And it's uh, also a book about my personal uh, plant history because I grew up in the farmlands of Norway and uh, it, was, it was very green and lush. Uh, and I became a farmer myself, but then I moved to the city um, and I, I saw that I, I, I lacked something. So I filled my, my apartment with plants more and more. Uh, and now I got over 100 plants in a, in a small apartment. Some say that's madness, but uh, it, works, <laughs> it works fine for me. And it's also a book about how you can make your plants look good and how you can use them in the interior. 
because um, 100 plants can look like a mess, but by placing them nicely together, uh, using different heights, um, yeah. So, so you can, um, there's also some tips and tricks on how you can make your plants look even more, more beautiful in your home. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Because as you say, when you've got a lot of plants, it can end up looking like a, just yeah. a load of, of leaves and, and styling yeah. is, is, does take some skill and i can see from your instagram that you do that very very well a lot of that seems to be down to choice of pots and positioning you you've got some lovely containers and tables and things that you put your plants on do you spend a lot of time working on 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 that kind of thing and choosing uh containers and so on yeah actually um i i always think that there's uh, a lot of bad looking containers so uh, what i what i've done with a lot of my my planters is that i i go into my mother's uh, cupboard uh, i go to flea markets i find uh, bowls and buckets and i and i use a drill and i make a hole in them so i kind of create my own um, planters um and i, I yeah that's a cheap way of doing it and it looks even more personal and beautiful i think for the planting raiding your mother's cupboard sounds like a great idea and then yeah <laughs> and and it's uh, and pots can get really expensive as well i mean you know once you start kind of buying new stuff it, it can get very pricey so repurposing other things i think is a fantastic idea um and provided you put some drainage holes in there then absolutely why not uh, I, I I think it's a, a quite of a funny thing, but in the Scandinavian countries now, uh, you see a lot of men uh, have an interest in houseplants. Uh, and I was thinking, why is this so? And I spoke with a friend of mine. Uh, he has a plant shop in, in Oslo. And he says there's a lot of men coming into the shop now. Uh, they're bringing their girlfriends, wives partners and and so on and uh but they don't want or ordinary plants they want the uh, huge they want the big plants so uh i don't know <laughs> how how to understand that but uh, if it is so that men uh, in are getting more and more into houseplants i think that's a good sign for the future yeah i think that's really true i mean it's interesting the size thing i guess um yeah that the <laughs> I'm not sure what to say about that. Uh, if you're, with your profession, you may have more of an insight than I to that. To the <laughs> yeah, I might be. <laughs> I, but I can recognize this within myself because um, when I get a plant, one of my goal is to, to make it as big and lush and vital as possible. So, um, so uh, that's the goal. And, uh, and I, I really enjoy my biggest plants, uh, like the Celista Nicolai and the Monstera. Um, these are my favorites and they're really big uh, and and I like that. I think that there's definitely something to be said for a bit of scale, even in a small apartment. I think people think a small plant will be the only thing. But in a small apartment, one big plant can make the room look bigger, I think, which is. Uh... Yeah, that's true. And also, I think the big plants, uh, you see them a lot of in of um, of them in offices and in shops and they're often used as the uh, room dividers oh, okay. so uh, in my apartment i used the uh, big plants kind of as room dividers and they also are very good for the noise and the sound because uh, the, the noise will often be absorbed with the leaves and also the soil so uh, it has uh, also a function and uh, i the other thing i wanted to ask you about was 
buying plants in winter? Should we be putting ourselves on a complete plant buying ban during the death months, as you call them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I try, but um, I, I don't succeed very well with that. But uh, one thing, when you buy a plant, you want uh, to succeed with it. And it's quite hard if you buy a plant in November because the, the risk of it dying is there. Um, so the best thing is to buy plants, I think, in March, April, when the spring light returns and they get a fresh new start. Um, but it's, it's tempting to buy it in the winter time uh, as well, I think. It is very tempting. I guess it's if you do, it, the key is bringing it home well insulated from the outside conditions. <laughs> that's, uh, that's important. And another thing is, uh, you see this a lot in Norway now, uh, peeping, people using grow lights to make their plants survive um, the darker months. And it really works. I, I started with it uh, three years ago. And what I see is that my plants uh, thrive uh, through the winter. Uh, some say it's cheating to use the, the grow lights. Uh, but I say if you, if you um, have a washing machine, you don't use your... Uh, uh, hands to wash the clothes. Uh, it's the same with the, the, I think the technology is here. So why don't use them to make your plants uh, grow better? And it's also uh, more good for the environment to make your plants survive. So I I think grow lights, it's a great thing. And, uh, and uh, I think also they can be used inside homes um, as long as you have the white uh, lights uh, and not to read yeah, them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, why not use them if you if you can get hold of them? Any more tips for getting through the death months? When do we when do we sort of start getting hope again? Is it is it February? The the week is we days start getting lighter. I think uh, in February, the end of February, uh, when the spring light uh, returns, that's a good um, that's a good period for me because then I know that I have a long season until uh, October where I can uh, do a lot of plant care and buy new plants. Um, and they have a good condition for, uh, for growing and, and being happy. Well, let's, we'll, we'll get our heads down and get through the next few weeks and months, and then we can come out the other side. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Anders. Thank you. Thanks so much to Anders for talking to me about the death months. <laughs> I hope that's convinced you that together we can get through this. And of course, if you're in Australia or New Zealand right now enjoying the summer, well, what can I say? Enjoy the sunshine. We are not bitter in the slightest. Much. Check out my show notes for details of the Arctic Gardener's Instagram account his new book and more. Until then, keep your hot water bottle topped up. That's my advice. Bye!
The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops, an instrument the boy called Happy Day Gakana by Samuel Corwin, and Endeavour by Jazar. The ad music was Dill Pickles by the Heftone Banjo Orchestra. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. See janeperone.com for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 